This is Five on Three. Center ice for all things Islanders, Rangers, and all news across the NHL on WFUV Sports. Welcome in, everyone, to another edition of Five on Three WFUV Sports' NHL podcast. I am Tyler Mooney alongside Samantha Poor and Nick Palmer. How are you two doing today? We're in the midst of finals week. We were just talking about it before we got on air. So we are thriving. We are surviving, maybe a little bit more surviving than thriving. But how are you two doing today? You know, we're we're doing it, Tyler. I was just saying that I awoke from a nap. Um, there are these really nice little pods on the sixth floor of Lowenstein, which is our, our academic building here at the Lincoln Center campus. And I've been doing a lot of napping on the Lincoln Center campus recently because it is finals time. But you know what? We are trekking through it and happy to be here as always. I am uh, I'm a little under the weather at the moment, um, so I decided to uh, sport my L.A. Kings alternate jersey because they seem to be a little under the weather at the moment. Um, they they seem to be struggling. So am I. So I thought I'd I'd embrace that today. All right. Well, we're tr- we're trying here. We're trying here. But um, there there is a good amount of stuff we have to talk about this episode. There's a lot going on in the world of hockey, both in New York City and around the country. So we'll start in New York. We'll start with the Rangers who in the past week, it's felt like they've had like two, they've had two weeks. It feels like inside one week. I'll start at the beginning of last week, Friday, Saturday, back-to-back games at home versus Ottawa and Chicago. You would think that that would be two relatively easy wins. They lose in overtime to Ottawa, give up a late tying goal and then lose it on a Brady Kachuk winner. All right, you get the point. You're coming back the next night against a team in Chicago that had lost eight straight going into it. You're at home, and the Rangers just they put out a stinker, to to put it bluntly. They lost 5-2 to Chicago, a game they give up three power play goals to the Blackhawks, um, a team who is dead last in the NHL in goals per game, and you give up five. I'll start with you, Sam. This felt like the most rock bottom that the Rangers have been since they've kind of emerged from this rebuild. It was in the locker room after the game. I mean, it was, you could just feel the confusion, the disappointment, Jacob Truba and Chris Kreider. I mean, Jacob Truba, one of the more emotional interviews I've seen in a, you know, December regular season game. He's like, listen, we, we need to figure this out right now. It's tough. Chris Kreider saying it's tough to, you know, say that there's any positives from the way we're playing right now so i'll start with you sam i mean that was obviously a really tough stretch from the rangers and and you wanted them to bounce back and they have somewhat bounced back from that yeah i mean they got they got the win against st louis and vegas afterwards and now they're heading to colorado tonight which is really interesting and that'll be fun which we'll get to our colorado talk a little bit later obviously but i mean it was just those two games were so disappointing. Obviously, you were there after Blackhawks. I was there after the Senators' loss. And like you said, the energy in that locker room was just so sad. And I love Jacob Truba as a leader. And I also love how vulnerable he is with his media interviews. You could tell that he was unhappy walking out of that room. And, I mean, it's 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 sad to hear them say there's no positives come out of it, which to an extent I I almost agree, other than telling you what you're doing wrong. But it's sad because then you see now in these recent games, Capo Caco score, you saw Vitaly Kravtsov score his first goal. And even then, like those those wins couldn't be celebrated. Those small wins couldn't be celebrated because the team as a whole was struggling 
so much. And I mean, this team just doesn't know how to play a consistent 60 minutes. And it's interesting because we're listing teams that they should, by all statistics ever written on paper, win against. And they're not, but I don't, I, it's so sad, but it was, it was a tough, it was a tough slide for that team there. And I mean, now they're seeming to bounce back a little bit, but it's December. We got to figure it out before we get to January and get to the all-star time of year. Yeah, no, I, uh, I'm with you. If, if I was a Rangers fan, I, I would definitely be seeing uh, the worst of the situation. Uh, I I would say a nice bounce back and a spot of hope for this Ranger squad is is Panarin has has picked up again. Um, you know he's picking up two assists a game. Uh, I think he picked up three assists um, in the game against uh, Vegas. Um, the the one I, there's just one issue and and it's it's been goaltending. Um, I, Igor Shosturkin has looked brilliant one night as he did against Vegas, um, but then he'll go and he'll give up what six goals against St. Louis. Um, I, if you talk about playing a full 60 minutes, yeah, the whole team's got to do that. Igor's got to play a full 60 minutes. Um, he, 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 he's got, he's got to figure it out. And I think he will. I, I, I honestly think he's too talented to not figure it out. Um, but once that starts coming through, I think this Rangers can definitely, these Rangers can pick up a playoff spot. Kind of no problem. Yeah. And you guys both kind of alluded to the bounce back that they had, which they did have a, a great bounce back this week you know they beat the blues 6-4 on monday definitely not the best win by any margin but at this point of the year and the way the rangers are playing a win is a win a big lineup change in the midst of that game capo caco and alexi lafreniere moving up to play with mika zibanejad and lafreniere gets the game winning goal in the third period so seeing some immediate rewards from that move and then the game on wednesday night which i thought was by far the rangers best game of the year a 5-1 win over vegas Granted, Vegas was dealing with some injuries, so a game that you would want the Rangers to win, but the way that they won it, it really looked like the Rangers from last year. All three kids, Philip Hedl, Alexi Lafreniere, and Capo Caco score a goal, which that may be the first time that that has happened while they've been all on the Rangers. I've yet to see someone come up with a game where all three of them have scored, so I think that might be the first time, which that is obviously an amazing thing to see as a Rangers fan, but what really struck me in this game is because I saw so many parallels with the Chicago game, specifically at the end of the second period. At the end of the second period in the Chicago game, I'm sure everyone has seen it by now. Jacob Truba absolutely destroys Andres Athanasiu. There's a little bit of a line brawl, and Truba you know, slams his helmet on the ice, literally screaming at his bench to wake up. At this point in the game, the Rangers were down 3 nothing. They did get a goal late in that period, and it felt like they had momentum going into the third, but they were able to do literally nothing with it in the third period. I think they only mustered four or five shots on goal. Fast forward to last game versus Vegas. A pretty similar instance happens. The Rangers are winning. Vegas comes back, gets some momentum and ties it. And Barkley Goodrow gets in a fight at the end of the second period. And going into that third period, it's a 1-1 game. I think a lot of Rangers fans and myself included were thinking, we're going to learn a lot about this team because they just had a very similar scenario on Saturday night, and they showed absolutely zero fight. And the fight that this team showed on Wednesday night, complete opposite end of the spectrum. And that, if anything, Sam, has is what's giving me hope as you know, a Rangers fan, but also just trying to be a, um, an impartial supporter and follower of the team. To see them bounce back and dominate that third period in the way that they did, that has to give you confidence moving further into the season. Yeah, absolutely. I think 
beyond being a, a relative fan of the team, being a reporter for the team, being an impartial third party, it does give you hope to see them playing like this and to see them find that spark because that is something that they were really missing in those games last week. And I mean, Coach Gallant even said it in the post game. He was like, we had nothing. He's like, Truba tried to fight, to literally fight, to um incite something in this team and he couldn't. And once again, I just want to say, I, I think Jacob Truba is an excellent captain. I You can criticize him as a player all you want. I will not take the slander about him being a good captain. I think he is an incredible man. Um, But it is promising to see them learning from their mistakes and saying, okay, we couldn't find any fight in the third in our last couple of games. How do we pick that up? How do we incite that energy? And they are figuring it out and they are getting there, which is promising for this future. And like you said, the kid line being as powerful as it was um, in the last game, I think that. I talked with Lou Orlando about this a little bit in our in our special Rangers beat we did, but people were calling to you know dismantle the kid line, and even they said it wasn't the same as it was last year in or in like September. And now you're seeing the kid line kind of carry that last game, and it's really exciting to see them coming back together and to maybe see them get these chances to be recognized in the way they should in the regular season. Because, I mean, all of the goals came from the kid line in that last game. So it's it's pretty exciting. Yeah, definitely great to see, you know, the Rangers kind of bounce back like that. We'll see, you know, obviously you mentioned earlier, Sam, they're playing the Avalanche tonight. We will talk about the Avalanche and their current struggles in a little bit. But regardless of what Colorado is going through right now, getting a win on the road versus the defending Stanley Cup champions would be a good feather in this team's cap. And it would give them a chance to get a three-game winning streak, which they've only had once so far this season. So We'll see if the Rangers can capitalize on that opportunity tonight. We will now move on to the New York Islanders, who are in a little bit of a slump right now. You know, going back to last week, they've lost three of four games. They got outgoalied, basically, versus the Nashville Predators, a 4-1 loss. Kevin Lankinen, of all people, with 48 saves. An incredible game for him. They do beat Chicago 3-0 in a very solid win for them and a shutout by Semyon Varlamov at that. But then a very difficult 7-4 loss to the St. Louis Blues. I'll start with you, Nick. I thought that this was the Islanders' worst game defensively of the year. They were giving up a lot of odd man rushes that we really haven't seen them give up. And also, Ilya Sorokin was very normal. You know, we, we've we've seen him be this incredible goaltender, the league's best, in my opinion, so far this year. And he just wasn't that. Um, that night they played St. Louis, I believe it was Tuesday night. Um, and you see the Islanders give up seven goals from it. So, you know, curious on your thoughts in that game. And if you, if there's any reason to be worried about this Islanders team, because they were playing very well throughout the most of the early season, but they definitely have hit a rut right now. So, so, you know, a goaltender is good when you're using normal as an insult. Yeah. I'm, I'm not worried about, so we'll, we can start with the goaltending. I'm not worried about the goaltending. Um, Sorokin had one bad game. Um, he's, he's sort of getting, the short end of the stick in terms of defense, because I do think defense is is where you're running into problems. Uh, I don't have any problems with Varlamov. He's actually looked fantastic as a tandem. Uh, I do have some issues with people who I was praising last week, Polak and Pelik. Um, they, they seem to be getting skated around. Same thing with Dobson. Um, and those are some issues that good teams will exploit. And if good teams are going to exploit them, then you got to find a different system that's going to work or, or adjust some tactics there and they're they're gonna have to figure that out because their next three games are against uh new jersey devils the carolina hurricanes and the boston bruins 
you cannot play a uh, you cannot have a better test than that if you want to see what your team's made out of this is how you figure it out this is also where you figure out some weaknesses um obviously there's that offensive sort of hole that matt barcel can't fix by himself maybe um <clears throat> some brock besser can uh, make his way in there uh he is one of my top picks uh the islanders are one of my top picks for where he might go um, and that's not me being an Islanders fan. That's that's me looking at things objectively. I would never let that cloud my vision. Um, and so, yeah, it's 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 lack of goal scoring from the wingers. And it's it's a little bit of don't want to call it slowness, but I think it is. I, I think it's slowness on the defensive end. I, I'm, I'm curious to uh, hear what you think, Sam. Yeah, I mean, I think that this Isles team, though they have been hitting a bit of a rut recently, but it's interesting we say a rut when they're still over 500 for the season. So, I mean, it's we can only criticize them so much in that way. I think they're, what, 16 and 11 right now or whatever it is, which is still a perfectly respectable record for December, I think, especially when you compare it to last season and where they were at this point in the year. I think that defensively, yeah, the Islanders could use a little a little help there. And I think that what's interesting is that the third period is where this team kind of opposite of the Rangers seems to come alive, which it's so fascinating how these teams have such different playing styles in that way. I don't know. I All in all, I'm not really worried about the Islanders at this point in the season. I feel like they we still have Ilya Sorokin being one of the best. And like you said, using normal as a quote-unquote insult but I wouldn't say it's an insult it was just a statement but using normal in that way I think is a testament to how great he is I think I still really just want to see more out of Matt Barzell like I'm I know that he's leading in points or whatever and he has 20 whatever assists but I'm just I'm frustrated at this point with him I think because he's making a lot of money like a lot a lot of money to be their team's lead goal scorer be their team's point leader and yes he's he's assisting in all these ways but he's not getting in there in the way that they need him to be aggressively enough to be a goal scorer for this team and he's not putting up you know 23 goals he's three goals this season and that's not a mark that your player making almost 10 million dollars a year should be boasting i yeah i, I agree with you on on the uh on the front that Barzell isn't doing the same thing that we expected from him years ago. But I would also argue that that has to do with getting rid of Barry Trotz, right? When you're playing defensive minded under Barry Trotz, you're going to sort of have Barzell taking higher risk shots. You're going to have him just trying to put the puck on net because that's that's how you're meant. That's Barry Trotz's system. But when you're playing under Lane Lambert, he says, OK, Barzell, I'm going to release you. You you do what you think uh, needs to be done offensively. You see him. It, it's sort of like a signature thing he does where he'll bring the puck into the zone and then he'll sort of be doing sort of like C-cut semicircles, just taking it around the zone. No one can catch him. Um, and that's going to lead to a lot more assists rather than goals because he's in sort of these awkward shooting positions that wouldn't give you a high chance uh, of scoring. So he's finding a lot more assists. So I, I, I wouldn't argue that he's not doing what we want him to do. We knew under Lane Lambert that he would be a primary assist guy and that's how he's going to get his points. Um but I'm I'm honestly not, I would disagree with you there in terms of being uh, disappointed uh, in a man with 25 assists. It's ridiculous. Yeah, the the Barzell move in on the three on two and then cut back to the face off set and then stick handle for a while is definitely one of his patented moves, and he is certainly a more of a passer than a goal scorer. I do think you know you would want more than three goals from him, but as long as the assists are coming. 
and they are coming right now. Uh, you can't be that upset from him. You did mention 16-11 is their record, Sam. They are in the first wild card spot right now, so definitely in the mix and the playoff race and should factor in to do so. Just to piggyback what you said, uh, said Nick, um, teams that the Islanders will play before the new year include the Devils, Hurricanes, and Bruins, as you said, but also Vegas, Colorado, the Rangers, the Panthers, and Pittsburgh, all teams that have legitimate playoff, if not Stanley Cup aspirations, a few of those. So this will be a real test for the Islanders to see if they can hang into the playoffs that they have right now. And it kind of reminds me of a similar stretch that they had early in the year when they started off not so hot, one and four, two and four, I believe their record was. And they had a tough stretch coming in and there was a lot of, oh boy, is this going to fall off the wheels really quickly like it did last year, but they were able to steady the ship, get through that stretch of games with a respectable record and we've seen them take off since then so hopefully the Islanders are able to continue to do something like that that will start tonight against the New Jersey Devils and speaking of the Devils we will move on to them now they are 21-4-1 and and they are now nine points ahead of Carolina for first place in the Metro that is just absolutely insane to say that the Devils are now they're giving themselves plenty of breathing room for even if they do hit a rut which they're showing no signs of hitting right now, but even if they do, they are giving themselves plenty of breathing room between them and the other Metro contenders. I'll start with you, Sam, since you, we know your affliction for the devils and granted, maybe not, you know, the best week for them. They've got off to some slow starts. They got off to a slow start versus Nashville. Couldn't come back, ended up losing it overtime. And then they got off to another, not the best start versus Philly, but ultimately Philly is not as high caliber of a team as Nashville. They were able to win. Um, what are you seeing from this Devils team, if anything new, or are they just, you know, continuing to roll these four lines the way they've been doing and telling the win the way they've been doing all season long? I think that really it's, I mean, small line changes here and there, as you'll have with different games and injuries and whatnot. But all in all, I think this team has just found a formula that really works. This is just I, I have said it time and time again this season. I take back everything I've said about Coach Lindy Ruff. I don't know what he did this season versus last. I don't know what happened, but something changed. And all I know is that the way he's coaching and the way that this team is running right now is obviously on a freaking rampage. I mean, I'm looking at their record right now and it's just WWWWL, WWWWL, WW. Like that's the thing about this team is I think that where the Islanders are are streaky and a little bit, and I mean, not as like a, a fault them, but like they are a little bit of a streaky team where they'll go on three, four game win streaks and then three, four game losing streaks. This team has found some sense of consistency. And I think that what's really different this year than last year is they found the ability to bounce back from those losses where they're not letting, you know, that overtime loss to Nashville hurt them. They're not letting that loss that broke their win streak to Toronto break their spirit. You know, they're coming back winning the next game whereas last season I feel I saw a lot of them like crumble after these lose after these losses I mean of course it helps when you went on one of the largest win streaks in franchise history to help with morale this season but I think that this team is just playing so fast playing so aggressive and as I know we're not necessarily talking trade today it's very early but I don't I personally at this point in the season don't think this team needs to touch anything I think they found what works they've got it if you're going to maybe a player or two, but I think all in all, this team has just found a formula that works and they found an energy with each other in the locker room that they like. And it's done so well for them. Nick, you're making some faces at the things that I'm saying, which I, I respect you, but I, I genuinely think that this, 
Devils team has just found a way to roll. And I don't, I didn't expect them to be legitimate Stanley Cup contenders this year, but they are. No, I'm 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 making faces because I agree with you on most of what you're saying. Um, I just I I am in anguish of how good this team is. Um, as far as not making any moves the deadline, I that's the one part I sort of disagree with you. Um, because obviously we're gonna get into Besser later, but I think he could totally be electric on this Devils team. I mean, you you pair him with Jack Hughes on the top line then what, you're going to move Dawson Mercer as your second line winger, and then you're going to have Tomas Chatar as your third line winger? Are you kidding me? Um, you talked about the Devils playing a full 60-minute game. That's how you get it done. When your third line has Tomas Chatar absolutely destroying anyone who, who anyone who he comes up against. Um, this team is so deep. Uh, Jack Hughes has come into his own. Jesper Bratt has been electric Nico Hishier. Dougie Hamilton has been, I would argue, the best defenseman in the NHL uh this year. I mean, he is he is active, he's he's strong, um, he knows how to he makes really good tape to tape passes. He, I, I know he's not sort of he's supposed to be an offensive defenseman. Um, and people used to think, especially when he was on uh Carolina, that that means Dougie's gonna be ripping clappers from the blue line but he he hasn't been falling into that that much this year he's been uh he's been passing the puck and successfully i would add yeah you really stole the words right out of my mouth nick we have a great natural segue here to brock besser but i did want to mention really quickly just how incredible dougie hamilton has been most analytic models at least the public ones have him top two or three defensemen in the entire league and expected goals for percentage and granted he's only got 19 points this year so not you know, lighting it up, not like an Adam Fox or a Kale McCarr, but he's been just such a rock defensively. His passes have been so crisp. And, you know, they gave him that huge contract a few years ago and the team was struggling. Maybe he wasn't necessarily playing up to the monetary value that they were giving him, but he's been fantastic this year. And there's one model, I believe it's evolving hockey, that has the top four defensemen in the entire NHL and expected goals for percentage are Dougie Hamilton, Jonas Siegenthaler, Brendan Smith, and I believe Damon Severson. So that just tells you right there how incredible the Devils have been this year. But you guys did mention Brock Besser, and that's where we're going to go next. Brock Besser, it's still pretty early before the trade deadline. You know, we still got three months, but this is one player that we know is going to be traded. He still has two years after this year at 6.65, I believe, with the Vancouver Canucks. But this has felt like a deal and a trade and a breakup that is a long time coming. Frankly, I was surprised that he signed an extension there in Vancouver recently. But this year, you know, the wheels have really fallen off the Canucks. They got to that rough start last season and then had the incredible finish to the year, just barely missed out of the postseason. And you felt like coming into this season, they were really going to be able to take that next step and compete for an entire season. They made some nice additions. I thought their forward group but they have just been a nightmare. We obviously talked in one of our first couple episodes about how they had that horrendous record setting and all the wrong way losing streaks to start the season. And they really haven't picked it up from there. Brock Besser last week was finally given permission to seek a trade from Vancouver. Um, one of the key doing some reading on this, one of the real things that I think drove this kind of fissure between these two players was, Earlier this season, the Canucks tried to scratch Brock Besser on Hockey Fights Cancer Night. Um, Brock Besser's father 
actually passed away from cancer just a few months ago. So I know Besser said publicly how upset he was by that move and seems like a a really rough decision and a really kind of, you got to look into the context of that one if you're the Vancouver Canucks. But I'll start with you, Nick, because you mentioned, you know, the Islanders, that could be a team he could be a great fit in. I think he could be an amazing fit for all three teams that we've mentioned. And I think all three teams could use him. He does only have four goals and 16 points this year, but I think he is one of the best, you know, pure talent wise goal scorers that the NHL has. And while he's yet to, you know, put together that incredible, you know, 35, 40 goal season that I think many people would have expected he would have already gotten by now, a change of scenery could be huge. So if you had to name, you know, two or three teams, Nick, and and maybe one team that especially you think could use Brock Besser's services, who would you think that would be? So this is a great question because I, I really see two trains of thought as as to where he'll go. First is obviously he'll he wa- probably would want to go to a cup contender, right? I mean, you 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 as a free agent, you want to go somewhere where you're going to win, especially when you're at the talent level of Brock Besser. Uh, so I I I would agree with you that the three greater New York area teams uh, are definitely all suitors. Um, but then the other train of thought is, do you want to pair him with other young guys? Because remember, Brock Besser is only 25. Um, arguably, you, you could still argue that he's not in his prime yet. So then you want to say, okay, where do we think we're going to morph him and our other players into a better player? Because um, you have three years when, when you're signing on with Brock Besser. So I think a dark horse team, and I might get some blowback here. The Anaheim Ducks could be all in on Brock Besser. They have a lot of cap space, and that that's also why I think the Islanders have a shot. They have a lot of cap space as well. Um, you you could you can, you know, bag on Lamorello all you want, but we do have options uh, going into free agency. But back on the Ducks, if Ricard Raquel becomes a free agent, which he he probably will, you're gonna need someone uh, alongside. Um and and working with Troy Terry because Troy Terry is is the Ducks sort of only real threat right now. You could Zegers is having kind of a down year, um, but you want to give Zegers time. So I th- I think the Ducks um could be an interesting uh decision here as well as the Minnesota Wild for some of the same reasons. You want to have them with Kaprizov. Um, I'm curious to hear what you guys think though. You know, I I obviously was also going to say all three of the New York Metropolitan teams. I don't. I don't know if the Devils would make a move for him at this point because, I mean, they though they do have a lot of free agents coming up next year. I mean, they have Damon Severson, Jesper Bratt, Ryan Graves, Tomas Tatar, Miles Wood. All of them are either UFAs or RFAs in the 2023-2024 season. That's going to take a lot of cap for them to then recover because if they keep playing the way they are this year, I don't see a world, you know, in which at least – Jesper Bratt, Damon Severson, Tomas Tatar, and Miles Wood, I miss you on. Or like Igor Sharangovich. Those are all RFAs or UFAs. They're going to have to spend a lot of cap to get them back because especially the way that some of those guys have been playing this year, they're going to want a pay raise. So it's, are they going to have the money if if Vancouver retains none of the salary? Are they going to have the space, you know, to be able to to take on a six and a half million dollar year contract or whatever it is. I was also going to say the wild because I mean, he's from Minnesota. Obviously the death of his dad was incredibly tragic. If he's still healing from that, still recovering, which 
anyone, any normal person would be. He's a person above being just a player. I think it makes a lot of sense for him to go near home, for him to be in the state that raised him, be in the team he grew up watching. You know, I mean, he was from just south of Minneapolis. That's not too far from, from anywhere where the wild are. Another one that I've seen people talk about is the Penguins, because I know that when when in 2016-2017, you know, the GM, like Rutherford went with this whole like, win now, like worry about whatever later. And that worked for them. And so I wonder if that's the way they're going to think this year, you know, as they're like, okay, we we need to get some things going. Obviously, you've got you've got Crisby, you've got Evgeny Malkin, whatever. They're still still riding on a team that has very, obviously very serious potential having a good season. I could see him going there. I could see them making a move for him saying, you know what, come to a winning team. We want you here. Win now. Worry about everything else later and we'll figure it out. It it very much is win now. Um, as far as the Penguins are concerned, they are not getting any younger. And having someone like Brock Besser um, on a veteran team like the Penguins could be huge. Yes. And Brock Besser, like you mentioned, Nick, only 25 years old, so could still be there for a team, you know, going through a little bit of maybe a downturn for a few years, although I'm sure that's not at all what he wants after playing in Vancouver for so long. Um, I like the Minnesota shout. Obviously, you mentioned all the you know family background with that, but Minnesota is also a team that just needs goals. They're 17th in the league in goals per game right now, and they're a team that has pretty high expectations for what they can achieve, so a player like Brock Besser could definitely help them reach their goals. Cap would be difficult, which I think it would be for a lot of teams as well, which is why... As of now, reports are that Vancouver doesn't isn't willing to eat any salary, although maybe things change as we get closer to the trade deadline. And obviously, if you're getting Brock Besser at a 50% discount or even less, 25% discount for two years, that's going to greatly drive up not only the price, but the amount of teams interested. I think New Jersey would be a really good fit for him. You know, obviously... I agree partly with what you're saying, Sam, and the way that the Devils are playing right now. It's almost like you just don't want to mess with it at all. But a guy like Brock Besser could just add such a prolific goal-scoring ability to this team. You could put him on the power play. You can put him in your top six. And you do have all of these players that you need to resign. You know, you mentioned Sharon Govich, Miles Wood. I'm wondering if, you know, that could be a potential trade bait and, and a player you would give up or players you would give up because at the end of the day if Vancouver's trading Brock Besser especially at a discount they're going to they're not going to want you know maybe they'll want some draft picks but they're going to want an established prospect or an established young NHL player and you know a Igor Sharangovich a Dawson Mercer that could potentially entice them the Devils definitely have you know the prospects and players where uh you might like a guy but it could be worth your while to get rid of him because you do have players that could take the spot and you're also adding such a prolific player in Brock Besser. So we will see, obviously, like I said, at the start of the segment, a lot of time between the trade deadline and now, a lot of time for things to work out and, you know, teams to maybe emerge as, as front runners more than others. But at the end of the day, a lot of teams in the NHL could use a, a goal scoring top six right winger and Brock Besser is that. So we will see what comes of that because his time in Vancouver is coming to an end for sure. We'll move to another prolific goal scorer, which I don't think anybody saw coming if you want to go backwards two years, and that is Tage Thompson. He scored five goals the other night, including four in the first period in Buffalo's 9-4 route of Columbus. Quick side note there. I mean, Johnny Gaudreau, this is, this is a tough look. Columbus is real bad. 
But focusing on Tage Thompson and Buffalo, this is a guy who is now third in the league with 21 goals. He looks poised to blow past his 38 goals, uh, by far career high of last year. And he's fourth in the league in points with 40. So this is a guy, Nick, that has just come out of really nowhere. I mean, he was one of the centerpieces in the Ryan O'Reilly trade. He struggles mightily to even stick in the NHL for a few years. We watch Ryan O'Reilly captain the St. Louis Blues to a Stanley Cup championship. And you think, oh, my God, the Sabres, they did it again. They had this prize asset and they just completely bundled this trade. But suddenly, out of seemingly nowhere, Tage Thompson has turned into one of the elite forwards in the league. I would go as far as saying he's been a top five, top 10 forward in the league this year. Um, and just an incredible offensive player for a Buffalo offense that say what you want about that team and their defense. But that team and that offense is a lot of fun to watch. And Tage Thompson is one of the number one reasons why. Yeah. Uh, Tage Thompson ruined my week. Um, he, uh, the why? guy I was playing fantasy <laughs> hockey. Had that is Tage so Thompson. funny. Yeah, the guy I was playing in fantasy has Tage Thompson. And he like he was one of like the last picks that he made. Um and Tage Thompson just destroyed my week. But um I, I think I think it was a crazy stat. Like he was the second player ever to score four goals in the first period. Something crazy like that. Um no, good for him. Um obviously you don't just want to look at that one game. You want to look at how he's doing um over the course of the season. And I yeah. Huge improvement. Obviously, you didn't come in expecting a lot from him. Uh, but Buffalo has some bright spots. Obviously, guys like Rasmund Dahlin uh, has been very talented. Uh, Dylan uh, Cousins has Cousins, been yeah. quite good as well. Cousins. Yeah. I, dude, hockey <laughs> names are some of the hardest in the world. Anyway, so true. point is, Buffalo has a great offense. Uh, yeah, they have work to do on the defensive end. Uh, but Honestly, just good for Tage Thompson. And just just quick shout out, Mitch Marner, still on the still on the heater. Um yeah. Atlantic anyway, Division's I, looking good. Yeah, Atlantic Division, man. They they are under the radar. What do you think, Sam? I mean, yeah, Tage Thompson is just freaking incredible when I right now. And I, I also don't know what happened because for so long he kind of flew under my radar. You know, he was someone that I was like, all right, and I'll even be honest, a lot of a lot of the Sabres players generally, I'm just like, it's Buffalo. Like I we haven't seen something come out of them recently that's championship worthy and we're probably not going to see it for a while. But he is phenomenal. I mean, right now, Tom, like Tage is on pace, according to some stat stat muse or something like that. He's on pace right now for 66 goals and 126 points this season. And no Sabres player has scored 50 goals or 100 points since 1992, 1993, since that season. So, I mean, if this is going to be the first time in whatever, 20 years, 30 years, that someone hits that mark, how incredible is that? And how incredible is it to be him, someone who, like you said, Tyler, was involved in such a deal that we all afterwards were like, what have you done? What have you done, Buffalo? I mean, talk about talk about a crazy game. He he set the Sabres record for most points in a single period. I mean, he had a hat trick before the first period was even over. He had four points before the first period was even over. And when you're talking about elite player, you're talking about someone who knows how to get things done. I mean, that's that's it. Yeah, absolutely incredible stuff from Tage Thompson and Buffalo man. I mean, not a great defensive team by any stretch of the means, but they 
as I said, have an elite offense, and that team is going to be, I'm telling you, that team is going to be something special in a few years from now. Tage Thompson, assuming he continues to play the way he does, Darlene has finally been saved from the chains of Ralph Kruger, and he finally looks like, you know, that number one defenseman, that generational defenseman he's been drafted to be. And, you know, just going down the list, I mean, this team has so many weapons. Jeff Skinner is having a resurgent year. He has, He's over a point per game. You have Dylan Cousins and Jack Quinn, two back-to-back high-end picks who are performing, especially Cousins. He's over a point per game as well. I mean, you have Victor Olofsson, who flies under the radar, but he, he's got one of the best shots in the NHL. And then you combine that with these defensemen they have, led by Darlene and Owen Power and Devin Levi, the goaltender. Um, I believe he's still in college, but he's a good prospect for Buffalo. This team, and they have Peyton Krebs, who was a high-end prospect not too long ago. So I think this team is two years from now, watch out. Buffalo, if they can figure this thing out defensively and get, you know, they have a few good goalie prospects. If they can have one of them really stand out and become a number one goalie, I think this team could be a force in the Eastern Conference, which is something we have not said about Buffalo for a very, very long time. So finally moving – go ahead, Nick. Go ahead. I, I was just going to say, uh, one specific piece of news coming out of this game against the Blue Jackets was that there was some concern on the Blue Jackets side that Buffalo was running up the score. Um, and I want to hear your guys' opinions on this uh, because, what, it was like 6-0 six, six after the first period. But I, I would argue that no lead is safe in hockey, especially recently. Uh, we, we've seen teams, you know, blow leads – almost equal to that. I mean, the Blue Jackets came back in this game, yeah. you could argue. Columbus um, scored four so, goals, so I yeah, don't know yeah. why they'd be complaining about running up the score. I mean, my my response, unless I, I wasn't watching the game live, so I don't know if they were, like, going, you know, extra hard. If Say they're up 9-3 mm-hmm. in the third period, and they're still, like, trying to pass the puck into the back of the net. But at the end of the day, if you don't, don't want them to score, then how about you try and stop them? I think that's mm-hmm. the best response to that. I yeah, I also am like like you said, no lead is safe. I mean, I watched the Devils lose games eight seven at least two or three times last year, at least, and they were up seven two, seven one, seven nothing going into the end of the second or third period, and then they lost. So, I mean, I understand like you don't need to kick and water down. Like if you are up like nine two, maybe you can kind of like ease off. But I mean. Even even six nothing like that's in this day and age where all of hockey is just such a, so offensively minded and it's all about score 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 nothing safe so that's how absolutely absolutely so the final thing we will touch on today we will talk about the Colorado Avalanche who are playing the New York Rangers tonight and it has certainly been what one could classify as a Stanley Cup hangover for Colorado. They are currently 13-10-1 and and outside of a playoff spot, which I don't think many people would have predicted at this point of the year. Although, to be fair, many of this is not really to a fault of their own. They currently have 11 players out of the lineup with injury, including five of their six preseason top six forwards, three of their seven defensemen. I'm going to read off this list right now. You guys can probably, you know, go to the bathroom, get a drink, grab a snack, and I will not be done by the time you get back. The list goes Gabriel Landeskog, Nathan McKinnon, Arturi Lekkinen, Valerie Nachushkin, Evan Rodriguez, Darren Helm, Bowen Byram, and Josh Manson, among others. Sam, you're the avalanche fan here. This this avalanche, to lack of a better word, of injuries culminated by this Nathan McKinnon injury a few nights ago where he is out for four weeks now. 
It does seem like hopefully Nachushkin and Helm will be coming back soon, which will give them some much-needed forward depth. But, I mean, what can you really say at this point from Colorado? They're struggling, but is it really even their fault? Yeah, I don't I don't even know if it's fully their fault, which that's the thing is I, I'm not going to be a homer here and be like, you know what, I love the abs. Like, man, man, no, obviously I do because grew up watching them. However, I mean, they're not playing the way that they were at the end of last season in the way that they won the Stanley Cup. Like, I'm, I'm not so blind of a fan as to say that, no, they deserve the cup the way they're playing right now. Not true. However, still a lot of time left in the season, as we know. But I, I also, I don't know if this just sounds like I am a, like I am a home team fan saying this, but like people are, people are saying, oh, we're beating the Stanley Cup champions. We're, we're beating the Rainley Stanley Cup, blah, blah, blah. No, you're not. I'm sorry. This is not the same roster that won the Stanley Cup. You're literally missing most all of the big names. Like you said, you're missing Gabe Landeskog, Curtis McDermott, Nathan McKinnon, Josh Manson, Val Nachushkin, Bowen Byram. Like you're missing the the biggest, some of the biggest players in the culmination of the cup for the Avs. So obviously good for other teams beating this team. It always is, you know, good for morale to beat the team that is the reigning champion. However, I would argue that this is not even the same team at this point. And the way that they're playing right now and like the slide, not even a slide, but like the the downturn that they've taken this year, the hangover, I like that phrase. I don't even know if it's fully their fault. I think that there's just been a lot of unfortunate circumstances. But I mean, that's the way it is in hockey. There's unfortunate circumstances for everyone, every team. So you got to figure out how to play through it. And hopefully, you know, getting getting Val, getting Helm back soon, maybe that'll that'll help because I mean Val was skating the other day so we'll see if he if he rejoins the lineup but it's it's been a tough stretch for uh for Colorado fans for sure I I always thought it was an interesting story um when right after you win the Stanley Cup Darcy Kemper's gone and it's like wow I mean he everyone knows how talented he is even when he was on Arizona I I think he went to uh, Washington or something um but Georgiev has 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 been very good. We're seeing one of his best years, and this is without a lot of the weapons that, as you said, Colorado has. Um, I think he's posting like a nine eighteen save, which for not having your best players on the ice is pretty good. Uh, I think he's at like a two point seven six goals against, which I know is not the most popular stat because it has so much to do with your defense and your offense, but posting a two seven six without your best players is, is a feat. And I think needs to be recognized because everyone's talking about Nathan McKinnon, Kale McCarr, Landis Gogg, but their goaltending is, is way better than I think they give, uh, than they get credit for. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, it's always really just crazy to watch these, these teams that sometimes win the championship and then the next year, for whatever reason, they just are ravaged with injuries or they don't have it. I mean, think about the Los Angeles Rams and the NFL right now. They got that incredible Baker Mayfield win last night, but they are still four and nine. It also reminds me of when Philadelphia Eagles won the Super Bowl a few years ago. And then the next year they were just completely ravaged with injuries and managed to squeak into the playoffs in a wild card spot, but didn't do anything. And sometimes, you know, seasons can just be derailed by injuries and, other circumstances we saw with the Islanders somewhat last year. So hopefully the Avalanche are able to just, you know, kind of stay steady, stay even until these guys come back. Luckily they are in the central division, which surprisingly has probably been the worst division in the league this year. They're only six points out of first place in the division, which is crazy to think of. I believe it's Winnipeg is leading that division. And 
I don't even think they would be the top two in any of the other divisions. So a lot of good teams in the Central, but no one has really grabbed a hold of it like the Devils, Knights, and Bruins have of the other three respective divisions. So that is some good news for Colorado there if they can just hang in here, although hope they don't hang in there tonight, unfortunately. But after that, if they can just hang in there, they should be back to the playoffs and back to giving a legitimate defense to their Stanley Cup trophy. And with that being said, that is going to do it for us for this week on five on three. As we've mentioned multiple times, the Rangers facing off against the Avalanche tonight. The Devils and Islanders are playing each other. I believe the Islanders are playing the Hurricanes tomorrow, Nick, if I'm correct. And then we got Rangers Devils on Monday. So we'll have a couple inter tri-state inter New York area team games to discuss next week on five on three. But once again, for Samantha Bohr and Nick Palmer and our producer, Nicholas Nappy, I'm Tyler Mooney saying thank you for listening and have a great weekend.